Well, good morning again, church family. Welcome. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church here on the Modesto campus and everyone who's joining us live right now on the online campus. When you came in this morning on the Modesto campus, there was this brochure, and it's all about life groups. In these two weeks, we're in a two-week series focusing on life groups. Today, we're going to be looking at what the opportunities are involved in life groups, and I just would encourage you to take advantage of that and keep that in mind, keep that handy. We would love to do whatever we can to help you get into a life group. To begin our time today, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 20 if you want to take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. But I want to share with you a story. The year was 1980. The location was just a few blocks in that direction. There was a family that went to Big Valley Grace Community Church and they began to share Christ with their next door neighbor. And so the woman who went to Big Valley Grace Community Church began to share Christ with the woman who lived next door. And by the grace of God, working through that family from Big Valley Grace Community Church, that woman next door, she accepted Jesus Christ. She placed her faith in Jesus Christ. And then, just some days later, as that family continued to share Christ with the next door neighbors, that man then placed his faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized. That brand new couple in Jesus Christ, this husband and wife who had just come to faith in Jesus Christ, God worked it out to where that couple, they're brand new in Jesus, God worked it out that they would actually open up their home to host a group. And they were like brand new in Jesus Christ. They had just come to know Jesus Christ. And God worked it out to where that family now began to open up their home. In fact, they were so new in Jesus Christ when they asked, you know, the family from Big Valley who lived next door to them, you know, what should we do to prepare our home to like have a Bible study in it? Should we like put out beer and chips? And the family from Big Valley said, how about the chips? <laughs> they, were, they were just so new. But because they, were, they opened up their home and they actually became the host of a group, someone else came in and led it. Wow, they began to have life-on-life discipleship relationships that grew this couple up. They were brand new in Jesus. They had two girls. Those two little girls, they came to know Jesus Christ And wow, this whole family now experienced this life-on-life discipleship. Pretty incredible. The family from Big Valley who shared Christ with their next-door neighbors were my mom and dad. And those next-door neighbors, that man and that woman who came to faith in Jesus Christ, are the man and woman who became my Uncle Gary and my Aunt Betty. Yesterday morning in this room, I did my Aunt Betty's memorial service. And my Uncle Gary, he gave me one message. He said, make it about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Nothing else matters but Jesus. So Joeler, because that's what they've called me my whole life. Joeler, tell people about Jesus. Tell people about how Aunt Betty believed in Jesus. And so 
like a good, obedient nephew. That's what I did yesterday morning right here in this room. And after I shared the gospel and invited people to place their faith in Jesus Christ, I just made this comment. Maybe you just prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you just prayed and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I believe it'd be a great encouragement to the family, my Uncle Gary and Jamie and Michelle. I believe it'd be a great encouragement if they knew that. Would you just raise your hand? And all over this room, people raise their hands. You know, make it all about Jesus. That's a little bit different a message than beer and chips, right? I mean, that's just something happened in my Uncle Gary's life, right? God worked. And all that yesterday, people came to faith in this room right here at a memorial service. And that all started because a family from Big Valley Grace just shared Christ with their next door neighbor. And they get into a group, and man, God, wow, life on life discipleship happens. What's that moment gonna be like for you? How are you in a story like that? Where you're either the person who's being discipled, or you're the person who's sharing Christ, or you're the person who's discipling someone else? What's that gonna look like for you, where you get to be a part of a bigger story, a story that's bigger than yourself? to where literally yesterday in this room we see exponential discipleship, exponential evangelism as hands go up all over this room as people are placing their faith in Jesus Christ. I just want you to keep that in mind as we're looking at our passage today about how God might wanna work in your life. My Aunt Betty, she fought a very long, painful battle with cancer and Jesus won. She's with Jesus and she's healed and I'm thankful that she is with Jesus Christ. And she placed her faith in Jesus and she's in heaven. I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful yesterday we added some more family members to the family of God. It's exciting. Life groups provide four reciprocal opportunities. Now these opportunities that we see in life groups, we see them at the campus level also. And I'll share a little bit about how we see this. But the corporate gatherings and life on life discipleship in a life group, those, while we see these opportunities in both those environments, wow, they play themselves out very, very differently. They're very, very unique. And so these opportunities that we're gonna look at today, they are present. They're present here when we gather on the weekends and they're present in homes and neighborhoods, but they look really different. The opportunity number one is care, care. This is taking interest in the well-being of other believers. Paul, he's writing to a group of people, this church in Philippi, who um, they have a great relationship together. And so it's out of great relationship that, they, that he writes this letter to them. And in Philippians chapter four, verses 10 through 12, it says this. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Key word here is this word opportunity. Paul's saying, look, you love me, but there wasn't an opportunity for you to show it. But then an opportunity arose and it revived your concern from me. Because there was an opportunity, there was an op- you, know, you were able to now show how much you care for me. And I think that's really cool. You know, when we think about opportunities, opportunities are often unplanned, right? Opportunities are often things that surprise us because things happen in life that are not according to, you know, our calendar. <laughs> and it's opportunity to show care in people's lives. You know, I love this, Uh, phrase here, I rejoiced in the Lord. Like literally, he's saying, I have spiritual pleasure in God in the way that you've cared for me. 
He uses this term revived. When I see that term revived, it makes me think of like life support, like resuscitation. He's saying, there was an opportunity for you to care and it's like life support for me. It's like resuscitation for me. You have really brought a freshness to me in the way that you have cared for me. And so he says in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. Now, this doesn't mean that Paul didn't have needs. We're, we're gonna see here that he does. He has needs. He, he's just saying, I'm not just focusing on just being needy. I've learned how to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Wow, it's really amazing. Now, when we think about at a campus level, how do we see the opportunity for care? Well, I think we see it in a lot of ways. I'll give you some examples. One of the things that we talk about every week at the end of our gathering here on the Modesto campus is if you would like prayer, we have a team of people who would love to pray with you right now. Praying for one another is a real way to care for each other. And prayer doesn't just happen in that altar room. Every time I walk around this building, there's an opportunity to pray for somebody. Prayer happens when the family of God comes together and you find out how people are doing and it's an opportunity to pray for one another. Did you know that there's a grocery store on the back of this campus? It's called Good Sam Grocery. It's literally a grocery store, except when people come, they don't have money to pay for groceries, but they get groceries anyway. And that happens with hundreds of families, hundreds of families every month, right back here in the grocery store. That's an opportunity to care for people because they have a need and they need is food. What about right here on Tuesday nights? Celebrate recovery. Pastor Scott Stubbert, he has this great line. He says, people don't show up to celebrate recovery on a winning streak. <laughs> Think about that. Isn't that a great line? People don't show up to celebrate recovery on a winning streak. It's an opportunity to care for people. And people come in, in whatever state, in whatever circumstance they're in, and it's an opportunity to care and to come alongside and to help people who aren't on a winning streak. It's great. What about with counseling? Life explodes in someone's life. We've got an incredible lay counseling ministry. People come in, they got an opportunity to sit down with somebody and receive biblical guidance. Biblical counseling. What about grief share? Someone loses somebody that, they're, you know, that they love and they're working through that process of, of physical death and physical loss. Wow, grief share is an opportunity for people to walk alongside each other and just help each other out. What about in divorce care? Man, someone experiences a divorce. It's brutal, it's ugly, it's whatever it is. Man, there's a group of people just ready to walk with them, just to help them. These are just, these are, at the campus level, there's a lot of ways that we see this opportunity for care. In this passage, we see Paul identify three ways that they cared for him. These were three ways just in these first three verses. The first is he said regarding concerns. You had concern because I had needs. You see, opportunity arose. I had a need and you showed concern for me. And when you get into a smaller group, of people, it's easier to now learn what are the concerns that are in another person's life. And when opportunities arrive, you can go, wow, I can show concern for a very specific need. The second, he says, I've learned how to be content. But that doesn't mean it's been easy because he uses the words, I've learned how to be low and I've learned how to abound. 
And wow, you know, I see when in our own life group, I see how our own life group that my wife and I are a part of, wow, there's been opportunities when people are real low, right? Everyone has a moment where you're low. Everybody has those moments in life. You know, life is not flat. Life has hills and it has valleys. And there's moments of being low. And Paul's telling this group of people, man, you've helped me. You've helped me. I've learned how to be content even when it's low. And then there's times of abounding. And in those times of abounding, you know, when you have plenty, when you have extra, it's an opportunity for you to help somebody who doesn't. And that's much easier to identify when you're in a smaller group of people and you're living life on life in discipleship with others. So he, concern, content, and the last one, he just uses this term, circumstances. But when he says circumstances, he shows what he means by circumstances by showing these great extremes. He says, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Man, I know what it's like to have the cupboards full of food, but I also know what it's like to not know what I'm gonna eat next. To have hunger. You know, here's what's true. In my life, there's never been a day that I didn't have food. That's just what's true. God has provided in my life in a way, there's never been a day when I didn't have food. I have never experienced that before. But you know what I've had a lot of days of? Plenty. Lots of plenty. And man, I'm thankful to be able to give to somebody who has the need of hunger. And you know what's crazy about when you get a meal? Like when someone delivers a meal to your family, there's something about a meal other people cook that just tastes better. I don't know, have you ever experienced that? You're like, oh, I'm so glad that person brought over a meal. It just tastes better. If I'd have made it, you know, it just wouldn't have tasted, I don't know, there's something about that. It's like the love, it's loving the meal, right? And it just tastes better. You know, my family has received a lot of meals. There's been a lot of times a meal has shown up at my door, and wow, it's been a huge blessing. This week was an opportunity. My wife and I brought meals to two families. They got stuff going on. It was just an opportunity for us to share a meal. And that's just a really practical way to help. He's saying, man, times of abundance and times of need. I wanna share with you a, a little bit more about what this has looked like in my own family. So here's a picture of my family, okay? I just got a little family. It's just a tiny one, all right? So this is my family. And you can see from this picture, it's clearly beard growing season. So um, everyone's put on notice, okay? Wednesday, September 22nd is the first day of fall. So all you guys need to get your bearding license, all right? So here we go. Beard season, that's my little family of 11, all right? So this week, I have one of those boards in my office. It's like a glass wall. You can, you know, write on it with the dry erase markers. So I went up there, I took every name from my family right here and I put it up on the board. And then I began to write down the names of people who have cared for every one of my family members. I went through every family member and I wrote down names. So this is my youngest right there, her name's Gia, she's four. I put people's names, right? The next oldest is Kian, he's eight, right? I put people's names next to his. In minutes, I had over 100 names. People who have shown care to my family. So I take a picture of it and I text it to my wife. And I'm like, hey, check this out. Look at all these people who have shown care to my family. And she responds back, wow. Do you remember the list you made in 2017? And I said, 
No. What's the list I made in 2017? She said, remember when 2017, you made a list of people who had been caring for our family? And I said, oh yeah. So I went and found it, and here's why we made that list. Let's look at this next picture. So this next picture is, a, is a, another family photo. This is my family, this is all of us. In the back, in the upper right-hand corner, that's jail. I don't know if how many of you take family photos in front of jail. My family does, okay? My family, my family takes photos in front of jail. In 2017, we received three new family members. We received three new family members. And when three new family members came into our family and we became a family of 11, our heads exploded, all right? It felt like we became parents of summer camp, all right? It was really... Kind of, kind of crazy, right? And so people started helping us out and we needed so much help. People started helping us out, helping us out in ways we had no clue we needed help in. And so I started making a list. And this last week, I went back and I found that list from 2017 and I took pictures of it and I sent it to my wife. Name, here's what they did. 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 I was like, wow. Man, we've received a lot of care. My family has literally provided thousands of opportunities for other people to care. <laughs> like, we just go big or go home, right? And you know one of the things that I found as I was looking at those lists, I mean, I forgot about one of them all the way, is there was a theme I found. And I wasn't expecting it, but it was really cool. There were some repeat offenders on the list. There was people who showed up multiple times on the list. Repeat offenders. Repeat offenders to care, if you will. And those people were the people in our life group. And I think part of that is just because we're just doing life together, and so they see the opportunities. And because they see the opportunities, they have the opportunity to do something about the opportunities that they see. And I just want to encourage you. I want that for you. I want that for you. I want you to experience that too. You know, my wife had a great quote. She sends me back this text after we're talking about all this. It's all via text message. She sends me back this text. It was great. And this is what she said. God has asked big of us. He's asked, right? God has asked big of us. And he surrounded us with people to care big. I thought that was a great, what a great line. God's asked big of us, but he surrounded us with people to care big. My wife's pretty smart. All right, opportunity number two, faith. Opportunity number two is faith. This is strengthening trust in Jesus during difficult seasons. In Philippians chapter 4, 13 and 14, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Wow, him right here is Jesus, okay? So Jesus is the core of this verse. And Jesus is being set in superiority over this phrase, all things. So he's saying, him, Jesus, he's greater than all things. And there's a way of life that I have. And that's this word through. Through represents the way of life that he has. And the way of life that he has is Jesus is over all things. And so I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What's the result? The result is can. Everything's possible in Jesus Christ. And the result is strengthens. I got the power source to do it all. Is that not an incredible verse? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Jesus Christ is superior in my life and he's superior over all things and he has made all things possible and he has given me the power to do all things. That is, that is an awesome verse. I mean, how encouraging and faith building is that? What I find is interesting is the, ne the next word, yet. I find it interesting that the next word is yet. 
This is the truth. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was sure kind of you to share in my trouble. What's he saying? He's saying, look, I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. But man, I'm glad Jesus provided you. Do you see that? Do you see that balance? I believe. I have faith. But wow, I'm sure glad you've been sharing in my trouble with me. I think that's a beautiful picture of the head of the body, Jesus Christ. I can do everything through him. But man, I'm sure glad the body members are there too because Jesus uses his body to help build one another up. I just think that is an awesome picture of faith, faith being built up. Really, really, really cool. And how is it that they were able to share in his trouble? Because there was an opportunity. There was an opportunity. There was an opportunity for a need and they were able to show kindness and have an opportunity to care and to share and that's like the burden that someone else is going through, you're gonna help lighten that load, right? And it, and it may be a meal, it may be something else, it may be a word of encouragement, it may be prayer, it may be a ride that somebody needs, you know? It may be doing some yard work, it may be doing some housework, who knows? But man, to share in the trouble, to help bear the burden of someone else. I was reminded of a couple really cool stories in Mark. I went back and read them this week. In Mark chapter nine, there's this moment where there's a dad and he has a son and the son is demon possessed and, and the demon is just tr trashing this kid. Throws him in the fire, I mean, just makes him seize. It's like, it's, 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 it's a really bad scene, okay? It's really bad what's happening to this kid. And the disciples can't do anything about it. Jesus shows up and the dad says, hey, if you can, you know, will you heal my kid? And Jesus is like, if I can, who do you think you're talking to? If I can. And the dad's all, oh, oh, I believe. Help my unbelief. He literally is saying, I believe, but can you share my trouble with me? I believe, but I need some help believing more. And there's another one in Mark chapter four. Jesus is out on the boat, right? Storm comes up. Jesus, it's nap time. So Jesus is taking a nap, right? Because that's important. That's what holy guys do. They take naps. And, uh, Jesus is in the boat, and the, the, the water, and, and the wind, it's like going crazy, and, and like it's going into the boat, and, and now it's just a waterbed, right? And so Jesus isn't even phased, and, and the disciples, they start freaking out, and they come to Jesus, and, and they wake him up, don't you care? We're perishing. And Jesus gets up, and he literally speaks to the weather. He speaks to the elements, peace, be still, and it's, whew, it's all still. I mean, they literally have Jesus with them. You know, some of you have probably said, if I only had Jesus here right now, I could do it. No, you wouldn't. Look what happened to the disciples. They still freaked out. Jesus was right there. <laughs> Don't think you're better than them. Come on, be, be real, right? Wow. They, had, they even had Jesus right there. But they still needed him to share in the trouble that they were in. Isn't that interesting? And I, I love this. Wow. Man, I, I got faith, but can, we share, can you help me build my faith at the same time? And as you walk through stuff, man, you need to have a group of people that you're building faith together and sharing in faith and wow, just strengthen and trust in Jesus during difficult seasons. That's awesome. Opportunity number three is team. This is working together for the sake of the gospel. What Paul's talking about with this group of people from Philippi is that they were his team. They were his people, like they were his tribe. They, they were the ones who were sticking with him through, through it all. In verse 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving, receiving, except you only. 
In other words, he's all about the gospel, and as he's going from location to location, he's planting churches, he's working with a lot of different people, but there was one group that stuck with him. There was one group that was his team, and it was this group, the people in Philippi. He says no church entered. There was no one else who did it. No church entered into partnership with me. Yeah, I, I got a question for you. Is there a team operating for the gospel in your neighborhood? Is there a team of people operating for the gospel in your neighborhood? You know, one of the things that I love is I love that my home is a place to host a team of people who want to operate for the gospel. My life group meets in my home. I don't lead my life group. I'm not the leader of it. I'm the host of it. You know, I'm just the guy who makes sure there's chairs. And I love that. I love the fact that on Sunday nights, at my home, there's people getting into the word together, there's people praying together, there's people doing life together, we're breaking bread together. I love it. I love the fact that my neighborhood has that type of meeting in it. And I would just wonder, what is a neighborhood look like that doesn't have that? And how is that different from a neighborhood that does have that? And one of the things that my life group, we've been doing, we've been challenging each other and meeting our neighbors. We've been challenging each other and building relationship with our neighbors. In fact, this last Tuesday for National Night Out, we hosted a neighborhood meetup. It wasn't with our life group, but our life group, you know, we've been challenging each other and it was just with my neighbors. Then we had four neighbors come over. It was really cool. And we're, my wife and I are excited to continue to build relationships with our neighbors and see what God might do. See what God might do. Really, 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 really quite amazing. In fact, you know, I didn't even think about this until right now literally in this moment. But one of our neighbors asked us about adoption. Isn't that cool? Who knows what God's gonna do with that? That's just cool. This is cool. That photo that was in front of jail is the day we adopted our daughter, Gia. That's why we were in front of jail. It's pretty cool. So he says, man, no church entered in. We're, we're a team here. Wow, we're a team. I'll show you some vision. I'd love to see a life group in your neighborhood. I'd love to see a life group in every neighborhood. I just think that would be so awesome if there's a group of people working together for the sake of the gospel in a neighborhood. I just think how powerful that would be. He talks about partnership. I mean, there's this real team. I mean, they are in it together. There's giving and there's receiving. And this happens on the campus level. Giving and receiving happens on the campus level. It just happens very differently in a neighborhood. It happens very differently, you know, in the kitchen, right? Or in the living room or in the backyard. And... Uh, Wow, this was it. He says, accept you only. Accept you only. Who's the you only for your life? That you go, yeah, I know a lot of people, but man, accept you only? Wow, you're the only ones that are in team with me right now. Like, you're, you guys are my team. We're working on the, I mean, who is that? Who is that for you? One of the things that I think is really interesting is um, there's a contrast in how people have team for the gospel, and I'm gonna explain it to you. One, when um, someone's a part of a life group and they go into the hospital, you know what we find out like time and time again? The pastor is not the first one to go see them. It's just not how it works because there's you know, five other people that beat us to it because they're all in life group together and they're so connected close that they're just so, so much closer to the need when the needs are happening that they, they, they beat the leadership of the church there. I think that's super cool. Man, that person's not alone. But another thing that we see is there'll be times when people will come to the leadership of the church and they'll ask us about a particular need in our life and we'll go, huh, are you a part of a life group? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. It makes sense then. It makes sense why you're coming to the leadership of the church and we're happy to help you, but wow, this is probably a need that if you were a part of a life group, 
this need would be taken care of just like that because you'd be in community with people and you'd be able to be praying for one another. You'd be able to be encouraging each other. When someone's low, someone else is abounding, you can help each other out. When someone's in hungry, someone's in need, man, someone has plenty, someone has abundance. And wow, you can work together. We see a difference in how people are supported in the regular stuff of life with whether they're in a life group or they're not in a life group. And that's an interesting contrast. I would encourage you, wow, who's your team? Who's your team that you're working together for the gospel? Well, how are you operating out of a neighborhood? That's, that's, that's something to really consider. Opportunity number four is supply. And this is engaging in the blessing of giving and receiving. And so in verse 16, Paul, he's talking to this group. They've cared for them. They've helped build this faith. They're his team. And now he's gonna talk about how they have been a part of the supply. Engaging in the blessing of giving and receiving. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphrodias the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And he says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. This passage right here is such a practical example of how worship gifts to Jesus Christ practically finance ministry needs. See, do you see it? Worship gifts to Jesus Christ. I, man, you have brought an acceptable and pleasing fragrant offering to God. You have brought a worship gift to God. And that's always who we bring our gifts to. We always bring our gifts to Jesus Christ. And he says, and you know what? My God's gonna supply all your needs. I'm well supplied, you're gonna be well supplied. Why? Because here's the thing. God's got riches. God's got riches. Like God's account doesn't run out. He doesn't get low on supply. And when there are needs, God always has the ability to completely meet the need. And he's saying, as you have been, you know, sending me your worship gifts, practically, the ministry that he's doing is being financed. I think that's a really, 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 really cool picture. Now, I wanna share with you um, two needs that we have as a church. And I just wanna make them known. That's the purpose of what I'm doing right now. I'm just gonna make the need known because I don't know how God wants to supply every need through his riches. And so I wanna make the need known and that way the church family knows what the need is and we'll see what God does. The first need is at the campus level and the second need is at the neighborhood level. So at the campus level, man, we shared with you about how we had like a crazy June, right? Our June was historically high through the roof in people bringing financial gifts of worship to Jesus Christ. The, what we've been able to do to set aside funds to go make an impact in global communities for the gospel with mission work is incredible because of what happened in June. The seed money for a series youth center, the seed money for a future campus north. I mean, that's just really incredible. It's amazing. Just historically high. Awesome. And then something interesting happened in July. Our, you know, financial contributions, you know, kind of fell off. Like there was like a cliff, right? And I think that some of that makes sense because June was so high. So I think it makes sense that July was lower. I just wanna share with you the needs. So this is the sixth week, right? This weekend is the sixth weekend of the new budget, right? The new fiscal year that started July 1. I just wanna share with you where we are. 
just so you know, just so you have the information, because I don't know how God's going to want to work. I don't know how he's going to want to supply his riches through somebody. And that is, we're currently $113,000 below budget. And I just want you to know, I just want you to have the information. What happens with that information in you is between you and God. But I just want to make you know of the need. $113,000, we're below budget right now. So that's a need at the campus level. I want to share with you a need at the neighborhood level. And here's how I want to share with you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those nine people. If those nine people needed a home to meet in, would you open up your home? Those nine people right there. If those nine people needed a home to meet in, would you open up your home to host a life group? If those nine people needed a leader, just somebody to lead the moment, it's an hour and a half long, would you be willing to be the leader to lead those nine people so that a life group could happen? Let me go one more level. If there was nine students who needed a small group leader in our student ministries, would you be willing to be the leader so that those nine students could have life on life discipleship? I share that with you just to share the need. Because if we wanna see a life group in every neighborhood, we're gonna need a whole lot more people to open up their homes, and we're gonna need a whole lot more people to say I'm willing to lead, and we're gonna need a whole lot more people you know, willing to invest in students' lives. I mean, that's just practical. If we wanna see this ministry grow, if we wanna see life groups expand, we're gonna need more people who are saying, I'm willing. I'm willing to do something about the nine people who need a place to meet in or the nine people who need a leader. So I share that with you because I don't know what God's gonna do because I do know that God has riches and he supplies needs and I don't know how he's gonna work through our church family. I believe he will. I don't know how, so I'm just sharing those two needs. We'll see what God does with it. So how will you engage in these reciprocal opportunities? Opportunity number one is care. Opportunity number two is faith. Opportunity number three is team. Opportunity number four is supply. You know, as I think about my Aunt Betty, just this long fight, I mean, it's just, it was really brutal. It just was brutal. It's just, it's tough, man. Stuff's tough, right? There's tough, there's tough in life. It's just tough. But as I see how the life group that they're a part of surrounded them, I am so thankful that my Uncle Gary and my Aunt Betty had a group of people walking with them because it's just hard. It just is. It's hard, and I'm so grateful that they just had a group of people bringing them meals, sitting with them, caring for them, talking with them, because they just had a really long, hard, hard go. You know, I think this is just an example of how life groups, they provide opportunity just to bring God glory. They do. It's just in another environment. It's just another environment that provides opportunities to bring God glory. This passage ends, it says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. And can that happen on the campus level? Yeah, that's exactly what we want to happen on the campus level. We also want it to happen in neighborhoods too. We want, we want God to be glorified in neighborhoods. And so here's a question I think would be great for us to learn how to ask one another as a church family. And the question goes like this, how is your life group accomplishing the vision to love your actual neighbor? That's a great question that we could learn to ask each other. How is your life group accomplishing the vision to love your actual neighbor? In other words, how is your life group on mission right now to love God, love people, and make disciples in your neighborhood? How's your life group on mission working together to partner for the gospel in your neighborhood? I believe this is an area 
that our church is prime ready for growth. For this to become an incredible strength of us as a church is having people meeting in neighborhoods, working together for the gospel. Let's stand together. We're gonna close our time. Our team is gonna lead us. Father God, Lord, as we end in worship right now and then go into a time of fellowship, Lord, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for how you're working in our church family. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for the time of communion. Thank you for looking back and seeing what's happened this last month. Thank you that you always provide needs. You provide for needs. And God, there's needs in every family that's represented here. And there's, you wanna provide for them. And God, help us learn how to get better connected with one another so that we can care for one another as a church family. We can work together better. Be in team and help build each other's faith. Lord, you got lots of riches. We wanna learn how to be a part of the supply chain. And so Lord, we love you. May you be glorified in everything we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.